Welcome to the English Weekly Podcast, brought to you by 9.09er English, where you get your dose of useful insights and practical tips on how to improve your English. My name is Irvin, and with me today are two of the biggest names in English examination preparation, Philip and Brian. Last week, we shared our testing experiences for the English exams that we took. This week, we would zoom in and explore the do's and don'ts of taking IELTS, OET, and PTE. So let's dive right into it. First things first, we would like to thank our listeners because in the last 60 days, now we have more than 15,000 downloads and we have reached 94 countries. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast sessions and we promise that we're going to give our best. This time around, we're going to focus on various English examinations since we are done with listening, reading, writing, speaking, grammar, vocabulary, and we have also shared our test-taking experiences. Now, the tips that we're going to share with you will focus on IELTS, OET, and PTE. So Sir Philip right here took IELTS and OET, three times actually. IELTS academic module, OET version 1 and OET version 2. Sir, uh, Sir Brian right here took three English exams as well, IELTS academic, IELTS general training, and PTE. Perhaps we're going to start with the first, some tests, the easiest of them all, and that's listening. So Sir Philip, would you like to share with us the primary do's and don'ts for the listening subtest? For the listening subtest, the first thing that comes to mind is it's important to always maximize that time that you're given before the recording is played mm-hmm. to focus on the keywords that and read the questions. Uh, if you do this, you won't be surprised by what you're going to be encountering because the way that the test is designed is that the keywords that you see in the questions will appear in the audio. Paraphrased, of course, but they will be there. So these serve as your landmarks so that you know which parts to focus on because quite a lot of the audio is filler. No mm-hmm. one's asking about it. You know? So you need to know which parts to um, hone in on so that you can answer the questions well. Mm, that's true. And probably one thing that people shouldn't be doing in the listening examination is being too complacent or true. being out of focus. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people feel that it's an easy examination, so they're not paying that much attention mm-hmm. and they miss certain items, mm-hmm. which can consequently result in a lower mark in the test. When a person gets lost, it trickles mm-hmm. down to a lot of different items mm-hmm. and it will result in a significantly lower mark compared to uh, when they're doing the practice tests in which they're doing mm-hmm. well. Makes sense. One thing is for sure though, Not all the details or information that you're going to hear are required answers. A case in point, in the IELTS listening test, four sections or four parts, roughly 30 minutes for the recording. So 30 minutes divided by four sections or parts, that's seven to eight minutes. But out of seven to eight minutes, you only need 10 answers. For sure, there are more fillers, there are more irrelevant details as compared to the answers. That's why I echo what Sir Philip mentioned earlier. You have to read the questions in advance because this will allow you to determine which information to take note of and which information to totally disregard. Mm. What about the don'ts, Sir Philip, for IELTS and OED? Mm. Oh, for both exams, uh, don't would be to... Uh get stuck in the past mm-hmm. because oh, the audio is yeah. not going to wait for you to catch up. 
And sometimes, even despite your best efforts, you miss out on the answer. Mm. So you need to be familiar with the sequence of the of the of, of how the answers would be given. Because if, for example, you're at number five, you're waiting for number five, you're still waiting for number five, and yet the audio is moving forward, that mm. means you should let go of yeah. number five <laughs> because uh, otherwise you're gonna miss six and seven yeah. and eight it's gonna be a terrible cascade mm-hmm. so if you and you will only be you'll only know that you're supposed to move forward already if you have an idea of the sequencing of the keywords and therefore a don't would be getting stuck in the past and not moving on when you should have mm. That reminds me of when you're taking a different examination, which is PTE. Mm. When you're taking that examination, you have to always move forward because the items only go forward and there's no going back. Mm. So it's very important for you to let go. Otherwise, you will lose all the time and Mm. you might not be able to answer the critical question types, which usually come at the end of the test. Sir Bry, I heard that there are more question types in PTE listening as compared to IELTS listening and OET listening. Is this true? Well, that's uh, true Mm -hmm. because there are so many different types. And um, unlike in IELTS in which you get random types of questions in your examination, in PTE, all of the question types will come out. So there's summarized spoken text. There's multiple choice choose single answer or multiple choice, choose multiple answers, fill in the blanks, um, highlight correct summary, mm. right? So there are so many different types of questions. And one of the most important ones is write from dictation. And this is something that's not found in other examinations. So it's, I would say, one of the most complicated English exams. So it's easy in the sense that it's just listening. But it's complicated because you have so many different types of questions that you need to study for when you're taking this test. Interesting. One thing I'd like to highlight. When people prepare for these examinations, especially for the ones that are taken in front of a computer, they practice by themselves without knowing that in the actual examination, they're taking the test together with at least 10 people. So mm-hmm. perhaps uh, Sir Brian can yeah. share his experience because mm-hmm. Sir Brian here took the examination on computer for both oh, yeah. IELTS and PTE. So Sir Brian, how many of you were present inside the computer lab when you took the test for IELTS and for PTE? Well, I think it was more intimate because <laughs> there were only less than 15 people in the room. Mm-hmm. And when I took PTE, I guess there were less than 10 of us oh, in the mm-hmm. room. However, that doesn't actually um, make it a lot easier than uh, the paper delivered examination when it comes to concentration and all that because uh, people are typing Mm -hmm. and there's still so much noise coming out from um, like people typing and uh, uh, if you're not concentrated you will still definitely be able to miss a lot of items oh I have a question about that. Yeah. Regarding the headphones, mm-hmm. like uh-huh. during the computer-based tests, uh, Sir Brian, you you have these headphones, yeah, we right? Do. do they help to block out the the noise of mm. the clacking, like like all the clacking sounds? Yeah, yeah. The, partly, partly, I would say, because they're not like a hundred percent noise canceling. But actually, the advice of the invigilators is to wear them during the test, even if it's the reading test or the writing test already because it helps to block out the background noise from all the typing and stuff 
but it is not 100%. So mm-hmm. there will still be some background noise. So if people are expecting that, oh, it's going to be a more concentrated kind of experience, it's not really like that. So for Sir Brian here, he took three exams. Two of them were taken in front of a computer, while one of them paper-based. But for Sir Philip, in all your three attempts, they were taken on paper. Is that correct? Indeed, Sir Urban. Yeah. And did you have seatmates during that time? Was, <laughs> it, was there an experience when your oh, seatmate yes. was like erasing vigorously? Whole body. My God. <laughs> we were sharing this like long table and I was like calmly answering, very placid and confident. And then my seatmate was like, it's like an earthquake magnitude 7 oh behind. I wanted to report her but then again i took pity and had mercy and i just like i was i had compassion because mm-hmm. she was probably the reason why she was doing that was probably because she was so stressed yeah. mm-hmm. yes but this is definitely something that if it distracts you you should report because mm-hmm. it if i was like less focused on my test it would have um distracted me and shattered my concentration okay another don't perhaps is well i'm thinking don't expect perfect conditions in the actual examination because when you're practicing by yourself, oh chances God. are you don't have a seatmate mm. who's erasing vigorously <laughs> or you're not practicing with 10 to 15 other people and mm. all of you are typing all at the same time. Yeah. So I need you to expect for the worst possible conditions in the actual exam. Now, there are four subtests because writing is the most challenging of them all as evidenced by our national average. Perhaps let's focus on reading first mm. then we go to speaking and lastly writing okay. so sir philip let's talk about reading w- what about your do's and don'ts for the reading subtest hmm. well for the oet in particular the reading subtest is divided into two in in a way the first 15 minutes which is like fast expeditious reading and the last two parts which in which we have 45 minutes to have uh, more time to comprehend the text. The do's in the first part is not try to read everything mm-hmm. because the first part of OET is like it it uh, simulates in the, how in the real world healthcare professionals have very limited time to do the reading that they need to do um, in the midst of a busy uh, duty, for example. So some people, so you're expected to scan and skim you're not expected to try to read everything so if you do that you'd have more chances of winning and one last thing is that during the OAT reading part C is that it's almost always research focused so a good so it's very good for uh, candidates for OAT to read up on the research ahead of time because we uh, a lot of people have had thesis before they graduated, but for some, it's been several years since graduation. So maybe you've forgotten the terms and concepts in research. Mm. And this is something the OED takes advantage of, which means that if you read up ahead of time, you are much better prepared compared to the average candidate. So do that. Perhaps here's a don't that I'd like to share. Everyone knows that OET is healthcare-focused. Mm-hmm. But what's my don't? Don't believe everything that you see online, especially because they're thinking, oh, OET is easier than IELTS because I can relate with the information, <laughs> mm-hmm. the questions, or the topic. So don't be overconfident yeah. because a lot of people actually find OET reading challenging just because yeah. there is no true false not given, just because there is no matching headings in OET reading doesn't mean that OET is the easier examination. Exactly. Yeah. 
So what about PTE, Sir Bry? Any do's and don'ts you'd like to share for uh, for PTE reading? Well, well, we have a couple. I think for uh, PTE reading, it is very important that people actually don't read everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it takes a lot of time, and there are so many questions, and the passages are pretty long sometimes. Most of the time, uh, candidates can get the answer to the question by just reading one or two lines. Mm-hmm. So if they're um, just like what Philip said here, skimming and scanning effectively, they can find the answers to the questions without having to read the entire passage. And what people shouldn't do, they should probably not spend so much time on one item because there's a total amount of time for reading. And if they spend so much time working on one item, that's just one point. And they will lose the time. They will not finish the examination. Most of the time, they don't recognize. And this is actually a situation in uh, the examination for a great majority of candidates. They don't get to finish. The reading examination is over, and they still have probably seven items or eight items to go. And that's a very severe situation mm-hmm. in the reading exam. For IELTS, let me think. The problem basically is some people are too fixated on the number of items. Say, for instance, uh-huh. 40 items, mm. 3 passages, 13 to 14 points per passage. What some people do, they focus or spend so much time in answering one item without realizing that whether it's easy or difficult, both of these yeah. uh, both of these mm. items yeah, are yeah. worth one point. So if you feel that you're spending so much time in answering one question, perhaps it's best that you leave it, you answer the question using gut feel, and then you just put a mark, say for instance, an asterisk Mm -hmm. to remind you that, okay, I'm not really sure, I'll just have to go back to this later on. Anyway, this is the reading subject, there's always time for me to go back. Anything to add to that, Sir Philip? Echo very strongly. That's the main advantage of the reading subtest, unlike in the listening subtest, mm-hmm. in which it is the audio proceeding with or without you that determines your pacing. In reading, the text is just there. It doesn't yeah. vanish. You can go back to it. Mm-hmm. I just remembered something because I am the one responding to the messages sent to Niner's Facebook. And Sir Brian right here is the one responding mm-hmm. to the emails sent to Niner. Every single day, there is always an inquiry. How many practice tests do you have for IELTS? How many practice tests do you have for OET? Yeah. And they're thinking with more practice tests, the higher the grade that they're going to get in the examination. Okay. Let me say mm. it's actually not the case. Just because you have answered 60 reading practice tests, it's not a guarantee that you're going to get the perfect 9. Or just because you were able to answer more than 20 OET reading practice tests, it doesn't mean that you're going Going to get 350. Mm-hmm. It's not the number of practice tests, but it's how well you make the most out of each practice test. So don't just keep on answering and answering and answering because your scores are not going to miraculously go up. Mm-hmm. You have to identify what is it that helped you in getting the correct answer and then learn from your mistakes. Because after all, you don't just keep on practicing. Study smarter, so to speak. Anything else to add before we go to the speaking subtest? As you always say, Zervin, constant correct Mm -hmm. practice Uh and reflective practice, Mm -hmm. looking back at why the answers are correct and why the answers are wrong, uh, helps you in identifying uh, what to do in your actual test because the content that appears in the practice test will not be what you encounter in your own tests. So it's the skills that matter. Perhaps it's time to move on to the speaking subtest. So... 
IELTS speaking, 11 to 14 minutes. Most candidates are required a grade of 7, but the national average is just 6.8. A lot of people rely on online materials such as YouTube to help them prepare for the speaking subtest. But what's your opinion, uh, Sir Philip and Sir Brian, regarding people who rely on YouTube to help them pass the speaking subtest? Well, of course, uh, it is understandable mm-hmm. for some to begin their preparation with uh, freely available materials online mm-hmm. no? because of um, uh, several reasons. However, it's important to move beyond it because not everything online is believable. Anyone can say anything in the internet. And it's, cre- yeah. it's critical um, to have digital literacy and to distinguish what are, which sources are, should be relied upon and should not be. Mm-hmm. And to add, um, it's very easy to just watch a video, but to replicate <laughs> the same real. skill is very different. And also to know whether your your current skill level mm. is already meeting the target or meeting the standards of IELTS, that requires probably expert guidance mm. and assessment from a coach. Mm-hmm. So if people have um, the resources, they should truly invest in uh, preparing for their English exams and work with coaches who can help mm-hmm. them identify their errors mm-hmm. and help them assess whether they're test ready. Mm-hmm. The problem with videos online, the lecturers and teachers online are people you cannot ask. Mm-hmm. They don't respond merely because you're watching recorded videos. So even if you look, uh, you watch someone delivering a sample performance okay uh, this is good enough for a seven in mm-hmm. ielts speaking or a b in oet speaking that will not translate to you passing the mm. examination because you need someone who's going to assess or evaluate your performance yeah. exactly why we are offering one-on-one coaching for ielts oet and pte 24 7 so sir philip mm. what about the well, that's hmm. one don't, right? Yeah. Don't just rely don't on the information yeah. or videos that yeah. you get to see online. True. What about the do? The do is to remember that in OET speak in OET speaking, you're doing a role play. You're supposed to take to enter into the role of the healthcare professional that you are. You're not a, mostly a candidate taking a test. Mm-hmm. You're someone who is trying to help someone. And this attitude, this perspective is important because this helps candidates to have proper therapeutic communication, listening well to what the 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 patient is saying mm-hmm. so that you could empathize, have proper tone, paraphrase what is said and reassure that what they're saying is being heard. This is a con this is a very big do because if you do this, if you show that you're actively listening, it you are miles ahead of most candidates because most candidates a big don't is just focusing on their card Mm -hmm. and you know ignoring the feelings and emotions that your individual that your interlocutor is doing his best to manifest (laughs) so that you have something to react to but if you disregard that you lose so many points so definitely uh, get into the role therapeutic communication listen so that you know how to speak Sir Bry, I heard nice. that in PTE, there are five types of questions in the speaking subtest. Mm-hmm. Well, in IELTS, it's just <laughs> talk right after really? you are asked, right? <laughs> but in, in PTE, there are five. Oh, so really? Yeah. Please tell us more about this so we can 
come up with do's and don'ts for PTE speaking. So we have read aloud. One. Uh, we have repeat sentence. Two. Describe image. Three. Retell lecture. Four. And answer short questions. Five. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many question types for PTE. So I guess one thing that people should do is to prepare for these question types and know what the questions are asking for and what strategies need to be applied per question type because that results in a lot of panic if they don't know what they're going to do so when for example the slide moves on to the next type of question and they don't know what they're going to do most of the time candidates are mum <laughs> they don't talk at all because they don't know what they're going to do they still have to read the Uh, instructions and they just totally panic and they lose it in the test and of course that's going to be very detrimental to the test score of the candidates tragic <laughs> tragic I really i know one thing more in ielts the person you are talking to is the one evaluating your performance in oet the interlocutor is just a prop because the actual examiner in oet speaking is based in melbourne victoria australia yeah. so One do here. Do not, well, do not actually. <laughs> It's not the do. Do not think that the nationality of your examiner has something to do with the grade that you're going to get in the examination. Mm. Because some people mm. feel, I think I might get a higher band score if I'm assigned to a native speaker. So what is your opinion regarding this matter, Sir Philip? Oh. Mm, interesting. That's interesting. Well, well, yes, the interlocutor is a prop in the mm-hmm. sense that he is just there to facilitate the the interview the role play and i think to reassure our candidates is not they are selected so as to be neutral is so as the, uh, to be standardized in the manner in which they conduct the test so it doesn't it even if you get a native uh, a native uh, uh, english speaker as your interlocutor If you're worried about the accent, well, that's not supposed to be a worry because they're supposed to be selected based on their understandability so yeah. that one test experience is equivalent to the other. Of course, this is not totally true because it's <laughs> because if you're dealing with someone who's the same nationality as you, you'll be more comfortable, mm-hmm. etc. So there are those uh, uh, outside factors. Yeah. But ultimately, since you cannot control your interlocutor in the first place, we should focus on what we can control, which is practicing, um, working with a coach, and getting... and and getting feedback. Yeah. Sir Bri, I'm a maritess this way. And <laughs> one info that I got online, some people are recommending PTE candidates to bring with them templates in the examination, oh. knowing that if it's a template and you speak spontaneously, the computer recognizes that you're able to talk continuously. Huh. So what's your opinion on templates in PTE speaking, Sir Bri? Oh, that's very interesting because the computer is actually very smart. Oh, The AI system is very smart. So it is trained to recognize templates. So... If there is any template that you're using in your examination, the computer will recognize that and will definitely give you markdowns. Maybe you can start with learning how to begin your sentences. You could probably prepare for different uh, situations in the examination and probably uh, bring with you a few phrases. But memorizing templates altogether will not help you in the speaking test. That's not going to help you to increase your test score. And the computer will definitely mark you down for using something that is memorized. 
this is new this is news to me <laughs> because i didn't know that the computers are that smart though no? <laughs> <laughs> i think they are i know <laughs> another don't in speaking don't be affected by the facial expressions of your examiner or interlocutor uh, oh yeah because some people easily uh, feel down or crestfallen wow. the moment they see their examiner <laughs> like maintaining a poker face from beginning oh, to end yeah. if i may oh. share my experience because i took the ielts twice one academic module one general training module one with idp and one with british council for my first examiner she never showed me any facial reaction from beginning mm-hmm. to end like all throughout the 14 minute speaking task no reaction at all at the back of my mind does she like what i'm saying <laughs> does she hate me Well, nothing personal though, because the examiner is there to evaluate your performance. No moral judgment whatsoever of your answer. It's actually the quality of your English. So that's when I proved that even if the examiner smiles, it doesn't mean that you're going to pass. Or even if you did not see any expression from beginning to end, you're going to fail. Because my examiner, who maintained a poker face, actually gave me a nine in speaking in my first attempt. That's why don't be affected by whatever. Uh, facial expressions you get to see coming from your examiner. Mm. Now, a- anything else you'd like to add before we move on to the most challenging subjects for yeah. Filipinos, which is writing? Uh, very quickly, is that in OET speaking, the interlocutors are supposed to mm-hmm. um, have these uh, markers of emotion mm-hmm. so as to simulate an authentic patient experience. Mm-hmm. So if ever their their brows are connecting and they're trying to express aggression, maybe it's be- maybe it's not because of you. <laughs> maybe it's because the, the patient is aggressive. But don't take it personally because in the next role play, maybe he's going to be sad and he's going to have a sad uh, look on his face uh-huh. so these are the interlocutors who are really your friend because they're they're simulating what it would truly be like and helps you get into the roleplay so don't take it personally say thank you in your head for the <laughs> facial expressions of your interlocutors okay why did we decide to talk about the speaking sub uh, rather the writing subtest towards the end of the podcast session let's take a look at the national average of Filipinos in writing okay 6.3 went down to 6.2 the following year went down to 6.1 for the most recent study now let's begin with the do's and don'ts of IELTS writing uh sir philip your thoughts how come our national average is going down year after year do you think it's the examination that became more hmm. difficult or do you think it's the quality of the English of the candidates going down year after year? Unfortunately, it seems to be the latter mm-hmm. because all of these English exams, they pride themselves with how standardized their exams are no matter when you take it and no matter where you take it. Mm-hmm. So if the exam is not changing, then unfortunately, it seems to be the quality of the candidates. And we do have some um, some studies to back this up. Uh, in the unfortunate case of the Philippines, the I believe our reading comprehension mm-hmm. of our students have steadily gone down yeah. to the point where our current students are the lowest ranked in terms of reading comprehension in some studies compared to their peers in others. Mm-hmm. So if and there's and this means that there's only so much that preparation centers for example can do. We're not there to replace all of your Uh, all of the education that candidates um, did not get. But mm-hmm. the the good thing there is that you can always do something about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can always catch up. 
some people will have more catching up to do. But that's what uh, preparation is for. Uh, we're here to guide you, to guide you towards text, to encourage you to read more, and to provide support that maybe some candidates didn't have the opportunity to have. So the, it's a troubling situation, but yeah. it's not impossible. Sir Bry, I have a question because I heard that for IELTS writing, you have to come up with an essay for 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. In PTE writing, you also need to write an essay but for 20 minutes only. Did I get that right? Yes, absolutely. Oh, It's just 20 minutes for PTE, 40 minutes for IELTS. So you still have to write about 200 to 300 words but with half the time that you have for IELTS. Oh my god. So it's a little bit more challenging. And so a lot of people are of the impression that oh if I take PTE since I'm just going to face a computer it's going to be easier for me. But if you're not prepared, how on earth are you going to accomplish a 200 to 300 word argumentative essay in 20 minutes? Mm. That's a lot of pressure and it requires a lot of skill for you to be able to accomplish that. Indeed. Sir Philip A lot of English, oh, well, a lot of examinees who are preparing for English examinations try to read up on idioms to bring, oh. with, bring with them these mm. figures of speech in the actual exam. But for OET writing, it's referral letter. So how helpful are idioms in OET writing? Not at all. <laughs> it's the complete opposite. You should mm-hmm. not be using casual speech. Um, in your referral letter, because it's from one professional to another, it's work. Yeah, you're not talking. Can you imagine. Oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh. Like because the you're pretending, uh, not having the proper tone is a minus in genre and style. Yeah. For example, you're not taking, not treating it as the appropriate formal letter that mm-hmm. it is. Uh, loses you points. What? candidates should instead be focusing on instead of like these um, idioms is uh, the paraphrasing paraphrasing the ways in which medical terminologies can be phrased because uh, unfortunately some candidates have the tendency the unfortunate tendency of merely copy pasting what Mm. they see on the case notes onto their letter because Mm. they say oh I'm running out of time I might as well just copy paste it well to an extent there is some value there it's better for you to copy paste rather than to not complete your letter but if you're aiming for excellence and I hope that you are you should uh, read up on vocabulary to have multiple ways of saying the same thing so that you can prove to your examiners in Melbourne that the English in your letter is your own and not the exams Here's a don't that I've read on the internet. They say, don't take OET if you have not worked in the hospital. Is that true or false? Not really. That's totally false. Because no matter where you are practicing now, whether you're continuing in the hospital setting, in the company, in school, in the community, as long as you have the required uh, academic preparation, that means that you have been exposed to the vocabulary, to the concepts that you would be encountering in the tests. So it would, of course, always be helpful for you to read up. Uh, ahead of time but your current practice does not dictate your readiness for the exam especially because there are so many areas like you could be working in the operating room uh, so does mm. this mean therefore that you are at disadvantage if you get obstetric questions in the exam True. so you, you cannot True. be working in all the different areas in order to be prepared for whatever appears in the <laughs> exam no one does that 
Thanks for that. In OET. Now, I have a don't in IELTS. Don't disregard your writing task one. Why? Uh-huh. Writing task two, essay writing, this is 66% of your grade. Writing task one, statistical writing, if you're taking the academic module, is just 33% of your grade. But did you know that it's actually writing task one pulling down the grades of the candidates? Maybe because we are more familiar with essay writing as compared to statistical mm-hmm. writing. So if you totally forget about your writing task one, you'll never know if writing task one might be the reason why you have to repeat the examination. Mm-hmm. Perhaps here's a do. Expose yourself to as many graphs, diagrams, charts, tables, processes, maps as you can prior to the examination because you'll never know if this is the one that might spell the difference between you passing the examination right away and applying for your visa or you taking the examination one more time, stay in the country where you are at for quite some time. So, Don't forget about your writing task one. Well, honestly, this is a new software that we're using. I cannot see the time, actually. I wouldn't know if we've been talking for like 20 minutes or 30 minutes. So perhaps uh, last few words, Sir Philip and Sir Brian, before we end this session, do's and don'ts for IELTS, OET, and PTE. Well, I guess at the end of the day, preparation is the key to mm. success in any English exam, be it IELTS, OET, or PTE. So candidates should be prudent enough to train for their examinations, not take these exams lightly. They're high-stakes English exams after Mm. all. The stakes are high, so you want to make sure that you're prepared when you sit these exams so there are no regrets when you get your test results. I would have to echo that. Uh, preparation, doing your best now makes sure that whatever the result would be in the future, uh, whether it is success or delay, uh, mm-hmm. you would be able to make peace with whatever the outcome would be because you know that you did your best. So do your best and take note of all of the, do all of the preparation that you could in the circumstances that you're in and so that there would be no regrets, whatever happens. Thank you for your time. Thank you for downloading this episode and our topics for the next two weeks. The next one, taking the examination on computer or at home. Because yes, it's still possible for you to take the online test at home. And two weeks after now, we're going to focus on an overview of your overseas application. What are your options in going to US, UK, Ireland, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, the countries that require you to take an English examination in the first place. So we'll see you next week, Friday. Bye! Bye! Bye, guys!